Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode one, what'd you say, 142? 147. 147, dude, I'm way off. This is episode 147. I thought about just stopping the recording and, and restarting, but... Just keep not, it genuine. It's just not going to happen. I'm just going to keep it a buck with you guys. Uh, my name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you this week, man? Another week in the books. Another interesting week in the Prem uh, as well. Uh, starting off right away before I forget our records. From last week, Evan improved 4-6. and six. Um, I went 5-5, five and five, and Zach took the big L this week. He went 2-8. and eight. Um, that puts us right now, Evan at 10 and 20, myself 14 to 16, and then Zach is at 12 and 18. So, uh, it's a rough start for all of us. I'm surprised with Zach. So we, we thought Zach from last year would had something about it, but now it's, he's getting exposed a bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little swamp rat right now. I'm just like waiting around in the gutter. I have no idea when I'll be emerging from the gutter, but I need one of those like those crazy weeks where I just don't get anything wrong. And that seems really far away because the teams that I'm expecting to perform are just not necessarily performing with the exclusion of my own club um, and, and Tottenham. It seems yeah. like everybody is just absolutely shitting the bed. Well, seven of the teams, because I, I also record the individual teams. You got seven teams you haven't gotten one right on yet. And Brentford, Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Leeds, Liverpool, United, and West Ham. Yeah, so a lot of shithole clubs there. We have United, Liverpool. I am and two West and Ham. one with West Ham. I'm off to a positive start. I just don't understand that because last year you got about four right. In all of their fixtures with West Ham, I did. right? That is, that is correct. <laughs> I got 10, 10 out of 38. That's fucking nuts. Um, okay, well, we'll go ahead and, and jump into into the games this week. We had Tottenham taking on Wolves um, at Hotspur Stadium. This was a, I don't know, I, I felt like it was a, a pretty electric game. There was a lot of chances I felt that, that could have gone for either team. Uh, Tottenham only 11 shots versus Wolves 20. Four shots on target for Spurs, three shots for Wolves, and the possession was split right down the middle. This was a very, it was a very even match. Um, you know, of course, Spurs have more quality in their side um, than than Wolves do, but we've we've yet to see the emergence of, of Son this season. He has been uh, dangerously off the pace. Kulisevsky got off to a hot start at the beginning. Uh, I, I don't think we have to worry about him, but Kane looks good. Kane's in good good shape. Uh, the midfield's in good shape there as well as the defense. But Wolves, um, this is one that I'm sure they'll be upset with because they did stay in the game. And it was late that, that Kane scored. It was the 64th minute. I feel like he, you know, is is the heart and soul again this season. Last last year, Son kind of had a step in. He's He's been off the pace, like I said. Um, but as long as Harry Kane's scoring, I don't think Tottenham have anything to worry about. To take three points here is great. But I did figure, you know, maybe they'd have they'd sc- they'd score a couple more goals. The uh, the low scoring was not necessarily something I was expecting. Yeah, this is kind of how I thought it was going to go. Um, Wolves outshot Tottenham twenty to eleven, but uh, a majority of those shots were from outside the box or even further because nine of them were or uh, yeah nine of those shots were blocked. 
Um, Tottenham, just like last week against Chelsea, really compact in the back uh, with those three central defenders. Sanchez coming in to replace Romero. Uh, he'll be out for a couple weeks, so he filled in for that role well. We also saw Perisic get his first start with the club at a left wing back. He, he, you saw the difference in his style compared to Sesson Young in the first two games. Uh, a lot more whipped in crosses. He used his space um, tactically and knew where to be a lot more than Sesson Young. Sesson Young was a, more of a darting runs forward, whereas Perisic was more involved in the buildup. Um, and I'm most surprised with Harry Kane. Usually he has a really slow start. He's got that curse on him in August, but now he's got two and three matches. Um, and they get a favorable matchup to close out the well, to close out the month. They have one more after that as well. But um, he's looking like he's off to a good start. Son is really quiet. He didn't really have a lot of clean opportunities in this game. Um, the midfield played their roles well. Um, on Wolves' Wolves side, I never really felt like they had a real control of the game. More so, what I'm saying is like a. Whenever they were going forward, I never really felt like Tottenham had to worry about being scored on. There was maybe one chance where they were fumbled in the box and Podence had an opportunity, but scuffed it wide. And then other than that, the changes Bruno Lodge made didn't have a major impact. I know Traore came in at right wing back. Um, he received the ball a lot further back, um, requiring a lot of work to dribble through two to three players where ideally you want him uh, in behind the defense, obviously due to his physical features and his pace, he can easily dominate and put himself in a great chance to set people up. But yeah, overall, I just, Wolves were always chasing the game a bit. Yeah. I don't know. This is going to be a tough season for Wolves. Do you do you see them sort of continuing to to fall down the the uh, table? I mean, they're in 18th now. Do you think they turn it around soon or no? Because they've I would they've hope looked so. ugly, man. It has not looked good. I don't I don't have confidence in the manager. I said this yep, uh, at the start. Um, I've seen people's predictions have them around that relegation zone. I definitely see them making a change. Um, the next couple games will de- define it. I would say if he can't, if Bruno Lage speaking, um, in the next four, I would say if he doesn't get a positive record in the next four matches in Newcastle, Bournemouth, Southampton, and Liverpool, I would say at that point he's gonna get he's gonna get the axe. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot of managers leave earlier than we're used to seeing due to the World Cup break. Um, I'm sure executives and the board and that would like to make the change before the World Cup so they have more time to have the new manager prepare and get acquainted with the squad and the staff. You know what I mean? So I think around this late September, mid-October window, obviously latest um, before the World Cup, like we may see at least, I'm, I would say, I would put the betting at like one and a half managers like fired before the went world cup but i think he's definitely a cop top um contender they did get a big win yesterday in the league cup um their first win on the season against preston north end so um they can take some positive there but i think now against newcastle after what we just saw them do against man city it's going to be a tall task for them to earn their first win in the league i agree 
All right, let's jump into Everton versus Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest struck late in the 81st minute when Brennan Johnson converted. Damari Gray at the death scored in the 88th to seal at least a point for Everton. This is another game where things just just really came down to the end. It was gritty. Uh, we had a, a, a Rondon start here. Of course, we are missing. Unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I absolutely hate the fact that he's starting on any team. Um, but we're we're missing DCL. He's injured again. What a wasted career, in my opinion. I, I'm willing to already say that um, his career is going to be cut short by injury. He's he's missing his prime years uh, with just a, a absolute barrage of of in, injuries every single season. This is three in a row now. Um, I I just don't see him turning around from it, but. Um, Tamari Gray along with Gordon and, and Rondon up top. Patterson and Mikolenko playing right and left wing back respectively. Iwobi and Tom Davies in the center of the park with Holgate. New boy Connor Cody, who is actually 45 years old. And then uh, Tarkovsky at uh, left center back. I think Nottingham Forest lining up pretty much how they've been lining up. Nico Williams there getting the start. Brandon Johnson playing right striker, Awoni playing left striker, and then Lingard in the center of the park. Um, this was a great performance from from Nottingham Forest. It's unfortunate that they got the goal so late. Uh, I I feel like when you look at the stats, it, it, they had plenty of chances. Uh, I only watched the first half of this game, but it's it's just Everton are are such an easy team to get, and if you can't if you can't convert on them early, then I feel like you're just wasting a chance at a win because they they waited so late here and then Everton just snuck one back and they get to take one of the points. This would have been a good three points for Nottingham Forest and instead they just sort of soiled it away. Um, I don't know Everton. I don't even want to talk about them. They're they're they are as bad as they were last year, if not worse. Uh, yeah, they're really desperate. Um, they are trying their hardest to find any type of structure to bring into the club. Um, I know Frank was trying to get maybe Batshuayi. Um, they're more focused on Broya. Um, there's the talks with Anthony Gordon um, saying he wants to go to Chelsea. Um, I don't agree on the fee we're going to pay for him. But there's talks it's around the 50 to 60 million pound area, which if we're willing to spend that much money on another forward, why not spend an extra 20 and go get somebody that's proven and that much more, um, I would say, I, I mean, put it bl- bluntly, just better. I mean, I, I we know Gordon is capable to play in the Prem. He's a main starter for Everton. He does make difference a difference in their lineup, um, which says more than other attackers in our team currently, but... I just feel like if you're going to spend that much money on him, we can use that those funds elsewhere. But this game in particular, MVP Jordan Pickford, that assist was uh, class. Just the, the full field punt to Gray through the middle. Um, Nottingham Forest should be hanging their heads uh, with shame. Um, one pass beating their whole team, it's inexcusable. Um, Dean Henderson has literally been the best goalie in the league after three weeks, standing on his head, um, bringing back the ball cap hat, um, in games. I'd love to see that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think Everton's going to be playing like this for a while, just like their, their rivals in Liverpool. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. 
um, in key areas as well. We already mentioned last week with Awobi now converted to play a center mid role. He was paired with Tom Davies, um, a very unlikely duo we thought would start for them. We thought it'd be Jacore and Allen. Now they're shipping off Deli Alley to Besiktas for the year. It's it's very down bad. Everton need to do as much business as they possibly can. Um, Forrest, on the other hand, you mentioned the formation they came out here with. I don't think they're going to change that regardless of who they play, whether it's City or a team at the level of Everton currently. But um, I've been waiting for Lingard to really step up, but he's kind of just been going in the motion or doing things just half-assed. He's not really making a major, major impact on the game. Um, Nico Williams is proven to be a big, big performer for them yeah. out that right wing back role. He's he is stepping into the shoes of a regular Premier League starter, um, really doing his job well. And then Brendan Johnson getting his first goal, um, getting a rebound from um, Pickford that he couldn't push wide enough and it fell to him perfectly. So, um, there's current talks of them bringing in their 19th signing of the summer in a Serge Aurier. There's rumors there to bring in depth at right wing back, um, ex-Spurs player there. So, I mean, they're just bringing any type of player that has any Premier League experience on their CV to have any chance of finishing at 17th, which I respect, but we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. Okay, um, let us move on to Leicester City versus Southampton. Good, Good God. This game cost me. Um, cost me a significant coin. I thought Leicester would be the victor here, and they were not, despite an absolute screamer from James Madison in the 54th. Southampton were able to rally behind two goals from Che Adams, one in the 68th and one in the 84th. They held next to no possession, just 38, excuse me, 38% of the ball, but Leicester were unable to convert on that possession, they did hold just no shots on target besides that one from Madison. They did not look good. Iose um, Perez came off relatively early. We got to see a little bit of Pats and Daka. I think they got an injection when he came on, but um, just just not really enough. We saw Yuri Tielemans coming off the bench here. It looks like he'll be out shortly. No Fofana in this game. I guess he'll be on his way to Chelsea within the next few weeks. I don't know. There's something seriously bad going on at Leicester. The team is is not functioning as a unit. I think Madison, people will be knocking on the door for him uh, shortly. I, I don't know how much longer he's going to be playing for the Foxes. Vardy, I, I love him. I, I think he's a fantastic player, but I don't necessarily know how much longer he can carry the scoring load. Uh, and if Iannaccio is a flash in the pan, then then they are in serious, serious trouble here. This is a sign of things to come. I think everybody should be able to beat Southampton at this point, especially when you're a club of Leicester's caliber. They do have solid players. But, I mean, Southampton put put a team of, of actual frauds out. Uh, James Ward-Prowse, he, he looks good every week. But El Yanusi, Mara, Armstrong, and Arebo up there towards the top is just not a great lineup. And, and they shouldn't really even be able to get two goals out of this Leicester side. And, and they did. Charlie Adams or Che Adams rather was a uh, was a sub I think and he scored too so oh excuse me this was uh, thank you <laughs> this was a uh, a seriously disappointing result for Leicester and I think it's symptomatic of a, a much greater problem with the culture of the club um, I I fear I may have made a mistake in my predictions because this has been bad 
Yeah, I think to some certain degree we thought um, they would have some sort of strategy going into the year if they weren't going to make any signings. Um, I mean, we're in the dark. We don't know if they've been active in the market trying to sign people um, or they've just been waiting for funds. So it seems like they don't want to sell anybody, which isn't going to help them get out in the market because they're not a club that are big buyers. Um, Historically, they've been sellers with a lot of their big players in Conte Mares. We just saw them sell Schmeichel. Um, you, I think Fofana, maybe the next one, and Maguire as well. They sold him for big. So I think Fofana is sitting out and attending the game in the stands is a sign that he's mentally checked out. Um, it should be interesting to see if the deal gets done with Chelsea before the match on Saturday because they're playing Chelsea, which I think, for, for speaking for Chelsea, I think you can't play a better team at this point. They've They've given up the most goals so far, um, Southampton being the second most in that category. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot up in the air. They struggled in their League Cup game yesterday. I think they won on pens against like a League 2 opposition. They're just lacking confidence or any type of strategy out there, it seems. It's kind of how United the first two games played. A lot of individual performances, but no team ethic. So... I'm not sure that it's 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 too early to tell a bit. At the same time, it doesn't seem like the players are energized as much. Southampton or that wishy-washy team it's turning out for for me this year. I can't get a good read on them. They were the first 60 minutes I thought Leicester controlled the game well, and then Southampton made one or two changes, adjusted some things, and then had a 15-minute period where that's when they really got all their chances and Ward-Prowse had more of a presence in the game because at that point I was looking at my fantasy score and he didn't really have any stats going for him. He wasn't involved. And then that window hit and he just started getting involved in the attack. He got an assist for the winner. Che Adams came on the field, got a brace, somebody that we've been talking shit on for a while now, thinking he can't lead the line. And once again, like the Jimenez effect last year, he uh, responded well to, to our comments. And yeah, I don't know. Southampton's not a team that is going to win a lot of games, but they will be super competitive in most. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess maybe they're not going down. Who knows? Um, that was a mess of a game. We'll move on to Fulham versus Brentford. Another mess of a game. Bobby Reed or over Reed, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he scored in the first minute, <clears throat> opened the scoring for Fulham. Fulham added another through Jao Paulinha, one of their new signings, who's been tremendous in the three games we've seen him in. Uh, that was the 20th minute. And then Norgard, another signing for Brentford, scored in the 44th. Tony in the 71st. And then this guy, he seems inevitable at this point. Alexander Mitrovic in the 90th minute, sealing all three for Fulham. This was a great watch. Did you Did you get a chance to watch this game? Yeah, so there were four games going on in the 10 o'clock window. The Everton game, I didn't watch one bit. This game, I went out of my way to watch the whole thing. And fortunately enough, it was the most exciting game on the day. The back-and-forth battle, the the one-twos going between the two clubs. Um, A lot of set pieces being executed well on both sides. 
um, uh, the the head-to-head match between Tuni and Mitrovic, the similar builds and styles of how they play, both getting on the score sheet, it, and then a late winner. It was you couldn't really ask for much more for two clubs at this at the size they are competing for, um, I guess safety. Really, they're not playing for any European hopes or mid-table. They're just looking to survive. So I thought this was a great contest. Yeah, this was amazing. I mean, I think both of these teams have so much talent. Um, Mitrovic is, is really, really, really good. Pereira, he uh, he came in, of course, from United. I think he's looked all right when we've seen him. Uh, Fulham center back, Adara Bioyo, or however you want to say his name, it's it's tough. I, I have a tough time saying his name. I need to look at a translation. He looks I think great. His first name is, I think his first name is just Tosin. Okay, maybe he's just going to be Tosin then for us. Um, and then Tim Ream, who is old and has certainly seen his his fair share of battle, actually looks okay. So I think Fulham are in are in fantastic shape. Uh, they have Robinson there at the back. Paulinha, new signing, of course. Uh, Dick Cordova Reed was was up with them the last time they were there. And then Mitrovic. I mean, I, I don't know. I think Fulham are getting pretty much everything they can out of their players so far. To get three points here is great. They let it slip there for a second, but to fight back and take all three against a team that you've been outperforming thus far, uh, I think is is really, really great. Fulham currently sit in seventh place on five points, two draws and a loss. And we have to remember those two draws were against, excuse me, decent competition. So They got one win and two draws. I, what did I say? Two wins, one draw. Yeah. Sorry. Or no, you, no. You, I think you said one loss. Oh, um, two draws and a win. My bad. Yeah. Um, and that one draw, of course, coming against the Liverpool in the first week. So, I think they're in great shape for them to be in seventh and Brentford in eighth. Um, those teams are are both overperforming so far. Uh, okay, we'll jump into another t- team that I always feel like I have a good read on. Um. Crystal Palace. Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins opening the scoring early after not being in the side uh, starting the, I think it was first two weeks or did he, he started last week as well. Yeah. Um, He started last week. Just not the opener. Just not the opener. Uh, He opened the scoring really early. Solid goal. Then Wilf Zaha came to town, scored in the seventh, scored in the 58th. And then uh, Mateta scored in the 71st. Every time I watch Palace, I am reminded of how many attacking threats they have. Ayu is not necessarily going to be a guy that finishes the ball all the time, but he is extremely involved in the buildup. But Wilf, Wilf Zaha is so good. It blows my mind that he's managed to stay at Palace this whole time. Because it seems like every season he racks up, he racks up goals. He's always there, and his finishing ability is really good. He finishes off balance. He places the ball really well. Is obviously extremely good with the ball at his feet. Can play in a target man role, or can play further back, or on the wing. He's so so good. And to get two goals here in a game that you had to come from behind, I think is just indicative of how talented he truly is. As a not necessarily looking up to the the quality I think he has, um, and then Edward, another guy who who got subbed off, but the rest of the pitch for for Palace looked great after that first uh, first goal they conceded. These these guys are are in really decent shape. They're playing well. I think Vieira has a system, and all of the guys that are there pretty much fit into the system. 
I'd like to see more Alisa. I'd like to see him start there out on the right. I don't know if we're going to see that. Uh, Vieira seems to like Ayu, but this was a great great result for Palace, and Villa are, again, sort of in that Everton spot for me where I just don't know what's going on. I think CBG's not necessarily up to the task. I don't know if it's too early for that, but I'm willing to say because this team that they, they lined up is there's there is some serious quality here. This should not be conceding three goals to Palace. No, absolutely not. I think Gerard's going to be given more time than a normal manager would. Uh, I think the squad he has is still building chemistry. Um, Leon Bailey had a great opportunity in the second half, cutting in on the left and hit the hit the bar. Unfortunate, could have been a worldie, which would uh, which would have put them in the lead at that time. But yeah, I think Coutinho starting on the bench is a big sign. Uh, just the form he's lacking. Maybe it's confidence, but or maybe play being played in a position that's not ideal to, or maybe not what is suited to his to his strengths. But uh, the Diego Carlos injury was a massive hit for the team and how Gerard sets them up and wants to build out of the back. Uh, being their one of the marquee signings of the summer now will be out for most likely the remainder of the season is putting them in right back to where they were last year now with a, a, a normal back five, which, which did okay, but leaked goals every, every game, pretty much the midfield is, is relatively young. You have Kamara new to the league. Ramsey still a young developing talent. John McGinn is kind of that leader in there, a box to box, uh bulldog style type of player. And then uh, interchanging Ings in there with Bailey. Um, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of square pegs being forced into round holes a bit. Whereas Palace, you already hit on a lot of the points, just the diverse uh, profiles they have to to start and also come off the bench. You have a striker like Edward, more of a nimble, uh, smaller statured striker to get into, to make certain runs and link up, link play with other players. And then he got an assist as well on the Zaha's first goal. And then you have Mateta, a big target man type of role, come off the bench and receive a great cross from Mitchell and bury it. Uh, it just the versatility they have and the confidence and, and most importantly, the the hunger they have to play for their manager, it, it shines through their place. Uh, so I think they're linked right now with trying to get Gallagher back on a permanent for maybe a fee around 30 to 35 million pounds. I think if Chelsea can bring somebody in, they would be okay with letting him go. But I would say this Saturday, if he's given another opportunity against Leicester, like he was against Leeds and fails to live up to the expectations of the manager, I think it may be time to ship him uh, based off of our goals and the, 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 the patience that a club of our goals has. So, It'll work into Palace's benefit there. But yeah, I mean, I think Palace are on the up and up and Villa are on a bumpy roller coaster right now. Yeah, I I don't have a lot of hope uh, for Villa moving forward, to be honest. They need to make some changes because in the, in the managerial sort of realm because I don't think it's their team. Um, okay, Bournemouth nil, Arsenal 3. Should have been 4, wow. should have been 5, should have been 6. Yeah. Could have been 7. Um, the, the first 30 minutes, I just couldn't take my eyes off the game. The way they were playing was awesome. That point, 
at points I just caught myself smiling a bit subconsciously. Yeah. Like I enjoyed, I was enjoying what I was seeing. So I'm sure you felt that times 10. I was working. Um, I had my hat on. I, I was so overjoyed. It, like you said, I'm smiling now just talking about it. I've waited a long time to be really pleased with the way that Arsenal are playing. And this is truly a return to the way that they used to play. Even, not even quite in 2015, before that. I'm talking back in the day when it was just beautiful passing, calculated touches, and well-placed finishes. And that's where we are. We're back. It's so rapid and quick and intentional the defense is exactly where it needs to be, and they're not having to work all that hard. Um, it's gorgeous. It, it is truly a marvel to watch, and the squad is still brittle. I have I have plenty of concern for what happens if we lose, you know, if we lose Jesus at, at this point in the season, or or even in the next six weeks, it could spell disaster. He is. I don't. I I did I always knew that he had talent, but I didn't know through just watching him at City and in World Cups that he could perform at this level because he's nuts. His touch yeah. is unreal, and he can do whatever he wants with the ball at his feet, and the way that he moves, center of gravity-wise, can shrug people off or just switch the ball to his other foot it's it's crazy he's he's extremely good um i will say something that concerns me is saka is is uninvolved really like really uninvolved um yeah, he's, he's playing a lot more off on the wing he's not really receiving the ball in central areas as much i think they with Jesus coming in, you're you're touching on the points. I think he's able to play a variety of roles at the striker position. I, if you need him to make runs in behind, he can do that. If you need him to check short and be able to hold up play, he can do that. If you need him to receive the ball and turn and go at defenders, he can do that. And I think a lot of those roles were more on Saka's shoulders last year when you were battling with Lacazette and Ketia having their own strengths but not having it all together like Jesus does. So I think he's going to have to, if it bothers him, he's going to have to adapt to a more secondary role, if you will, if you want to put it that yeah. way, where he's not going to be on the score sheet as much or or in the head the in the yeah on the headlines of the game. So we saw Odegaard get a brace here, which is yeah. nice. I've been waiting for him to finally get on the score sheet, especially for fantasy. Um he was in the right place at the right time. The both goals, Jesus was heavily involved in the play and he was there able to clean up. And then Saliba, I think the Arsenal fans at the Vitality Stadium for 30 to 40 minutes were yeah, singing, singing Saliba. the Saliba tequila song. <laughs> yeah, for, yep. And it's, it was, it, I didn't really think about it, but it was, it literally was foreshadowing him getting that opportunity to score that worldie. How about uh, that one? To cap off the game. And it, I'm, I, I think I can go out on a limb and say that's probably one of two goals he's going to score this year. Probably. So, so I think it really capped off the a great day of, of of Premier League ball and to put Arsenal in the position they are now, top of the league. So top of the you, league. I, I will say with the games they played so far, people will say they haven't been tested, but 
looking back on those games, you you got four goals against a Leicester side that most people would think is is pretty decent. Bournemouth, you handled your business, and I think the Palace win is now we're looking at it maybe different now compared to back then. That was a big win because Palace have really tested everybody. They get a draw against Liverpool. They beat up on Villa convincingly. And they they competed with you guys in that game, but you held yeah, your own. I so I think I think Arsenal has proven themselves as being a top four contender. Um, you still have a couple more games now where you should be handling your business in Fulham and Villa. Yeah. And then we we start getting into those those headlining games where you're going to be required to make the statement win. I'm going to be covered. I'm going to be covered in pig blood for the entire game against United. I cannot yeah. wait. I I am going to actually slaughter a pig out back while watching the game. Just I know I'll be feeling so violent. I can't it's, wait. And we know United are going to be iffy. I'm sure. Between now and then, they're going to drop another result to put us back in that mindset of all their shit. But, I mean, we'll get to the Liverpool game eventually and talk about where they are, but they they can turn up at certain times. I don't I don't think that's... We're, we'll get there. I do have some praise to sing. I, I do. It's individual praise. It's not for the team or Ten Hag. Um, okay. West Ham nil, Brighton 2. What can I say? West Ham are poverty currently. They're scrambling to make signings. They just got Emerson from Chelsea. I mean, good lord, that's a that's, that's a, a steal for a thirty mil for uh, us. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's a dice. It's a gigantic dice roll for West Ham. I I don't think that's where they need to be investing their money, especially when you have uh, Sufal and and Cresswell back there. I don't. They don't play with wing backs. That's sort of what Emerson is. I don't know where they're going to fit him in. If he's going to be a bench player, they just paid thirty million for a bench. A bench player. He's that's, getting paid well, well, good, uh, high wages. I know that's crazy. So I don't know. Bad result for West Ham, but Brighton played really well. Uh, a different formation again with Welbeck up top, Lalana right behind him, and then Trossard, Caicedo, McAllister, Gross, and Marsh across like that midfield backline. Marsh and Trossard playing left and right wing back, respectively. Webster, Dunk, and Veltman at the back with Sanchez in net. Brighton look good, man. They are they are a well-oiled machine. They are so well-coached, and they play in any single system that Graham Potter asked them to play in. That is what I think is most impressive because they line up differently every single week in a different formation, um, mostly the same players, but McAllister, Gross, and Caicedo look fantastic. And Welbeck is putting defenders through their paces. He may not be scoring, but he's he's serving a huge role on the pitch. This is the second game in a row where I think he has been instrumental in their their victory despite not having a goal. Yeah, it's it's not really surprising that Brighton are playing this well. They ended the year um last season, I should say, well. They got big results and have consistently played their ball um unfazed by the opposition and we're seeing role players pop up in great situations and provide. We saw a penalty here from McAllister and then Trissard also getting on the score sheet there. Welbeck is is pretty much has solidified himself as the number one there. We, we already said Mupai is on the way out. So he doesn't have any competition up there for minutes. It just comes down to fitness. We all know that he does have fitness issues throughout the year at his time with Arsenal and United. So 
if he can stay fit for the majority of the year, I'm not saying play every game, but if he can play around those 30, the 30 game mark, I think Brighton is definitely a contender for a top eight finish the way it's going. So West Ham, on the other hand, dead last. Um, the only team that have not scored a goal in the league yet, which is unfortunate. Um, that's saying something, even with all the signings they've made in, in, in the attacking positions in Schmacka and Cornet. And potentially, we, we were saying before the show, Lucas Paqueta um, playing at Lyon, also where uh, Guimarães came from. So another Brazilian player there. Yeah, it seems like for you to really step your game up, you need to make a Brazilian signing. So <laughs> I don't know if, if there's much merit to that. We'll see how Casemiro does with United. But maybe they, that's what they need in that squad. But um, we saw a debut from Tino Kerr from... They, from West Ham, they PS yep. they got him from PSG, a versatile defender who could play anywhere in the back line. Um, PSG not having a place in the squad for him, so happy to get him off the books for around like fifteen mil. But yeah, it's it's there's just something missing in West Ham's game going forward. I I think the 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 Nottingham Forest game the previous week was a big hit to the morale. Just the amount of chances they had, and they just couldn't get one to go in. I think a bit of that carried over here, not having as much possession as they would like split pretty much 50, 50 with Brighton, but yeah, I don't know. David Moyes has, he's been saying they've been linked. You, if he was telling reporters that if he told them the amount of people they've been linked with and talked to, they would laugh at him. Uh, It doesn't seem like they've been going after anybody, but from what he's saying that everything they've tried to, and everybody they've shot for, it's been de- denied. So I know they're going to get somebody before the window closes because the closer we get, the more reckless people um, at the club are willing to spend a bit more money and get somebody to fill the role they're looking for. So I definitely think they need somebody in that attacking mid role. I think that's something that Paqueta can fill. Maybe if not Paqueta, somebody else. For now is maybe a bit better off on one of the sides. Um, I think Bowen is performing well, but he just can't get one to fall. So we'll see how they do this week against Aston Villa, which could prove to be their first win. Yeah, could be. Better be. Um, all right, Leeds United 3, Chelsea nil. I, I know you just talked for uh, for quite some time, but I, I got to let you handle this one. This, is, this was a mighty scene. I've never <clears throat> received so much chirping after the result. You got a lot. Not for um, me either. A lot a lot of with the high school players and Scott. Um just the the Aronson goal alone. I know. I mean they think these Edward, they think this guy's messy. Edward Mendy. Yeah. He sir. was done in there. He needs to have a word. Sir, we we watch too much Ederson. <laughs> yeah. That is not who you are. Yeah. It's something that we saw De Gea have a big mistake last week, and he clearly made it uh, seen in the Liverpool game that he wasn't going to make the same thing. So hopefully going forward in, in weeks to come, every time ball comes back to him, he just <laughs> yeah. boots it. So we'll see. But credit to Aronson for pressing. That is the DNA of Leeds. Jesse Marsh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Aronson. I'm happy for Tyler Adams. Um, and Leeds as a whole not being biased to Americans. I, I think they played well. They stayed true to their system and they've openly said like they're not afraid to challenge the big dogs, which 
put us at a disadvantage. Um, but the first 20 minutes, not even the first 20 minutes, the first 30 seconds, Raheem Sterling makes a great run. He does what he what he is shown he can do he's able to create situations for himself to to put the ball in the back of the net and he hits it wide zach showed me old videos of man city games and the amount of chances sterling had and missed them is laughable and now i am a big sterling hater um (laughs) in the short term not yeah it's not that serious but just whenever he has a chance i just He's a seller. Don't believe in him. I yeah, just don't no. have faith. He, he's, we did not bring him in to be a 15 to 12, 20 goal guy. That is not his role. He's going to be a provider and maybe, I would hope, 8 to 10 goals. That would okay. be great. And this is um, Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just downhill after that. The set piece goal from Harrison whipped into Rodrigo. And then the third goal as well, a bit of a collapse in the back, um, communication-wise. Koulibaly getting a double yellow, not not smart. He's just he let it go. He, he fell back into the Serie A mindset where he was a bit more scrappy, and he can't. He has to be smarter than that. So now he's going to be a big loss for us against Leicester, but I think I think we'll have depth there to cover for just the game, but. Yeah, overall, I mean, this striker thing is every week it's becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger issue. Aubameyang being the most likely candidate to fill that void. I pray he can do that to some degree. I don't, even if we're not winning games, if we can score, I'm not like, if we scored two goals in this game, I would have been happy if it was a competition, but we just need to score goals, man. I mean, one against Everton, two against Tottenham is good, and then none against Leeds. I mean, I think ultimately we lost the, the midfield battle. Jorginho and Connor Gallagher in there. Funnily enough, when this was the midfield against Arsenal in the preseason, and we all know the result of that game, 4-0, to Arsenal, it's I don't know why Tuchel made that decision instead of having Loftus Cheek in there with Jorginho, just a bigger body. He's able to hold things up more and break things. Gallagher, more of an eight box to box creative guy going forward. You can't leave Jorginho there by himself. The guy cannot stop anybody. I, I love his passing rage and everything, and he's good on the ball, but he cannot be that that six. Angolo couldn't have gotten hurt at a worse time. No, I know. That's that's a huge loss for you guys. And luckily where Kovacic is back in training and maybe an option to come off the bench this weekend, but I I really strongly believe we need to have somebody come in at that center mid role. I think Diong obviously being a link, maybe not him, but just somebody there has to be somebody we've been scouting, not for like eighty million pounds, but a reliable option for 30 maybe, but uh, that's not how our style is right now. Bowley wants to splash on everybody's forehead. Yeah. So I don't know. Doozy. I don't know about that <laughs> one, but well, I don't know. It's, it's tough to talk about what to do because you can go a lot of different directions. We we're just, we don't, we don't know any better than what they do. So 
I don't know. It's one you have to take a lump and move on. Um, Polsic and Ziyech finally coming on and doing nothing either just shows the he's done. The they just don't. They're just not in. They're not in on the project because they don't believe they have a place in the squad. So there's a lot of things up in the air. So right now in my head, I'm like, let's get out of August, and by then the people that are left are committed. I uh, don't know if it's that simple. I'd like it to be. Yeah, of of course, of course. I I agree, but I I don't think ZX gonna be here. Um, there's word that he's heading back to uh, to Ajax. I I don't see Pulisic staying. I just don't. I think he. I think the strongest link for him now is either Newcastle or United. Oh, uh-huh. it make me sick to see him at United. But I think at Newcastle he could be part of a, a something you know truly important that they're building. Think ideally they don't want to sell anybody into the league. I think everybody they want out, they want to leave the the league. I think cuts on a doy to the Bundesliga for a loan. Ajax or um, excuse me, Ziyech to potentially go to Milan or Ajax um, because now we're trying to maybe go back in for Rafael Liao from Milan, the young Portuguese player there. He is so good, Matt. I have I have done countless hours of scouting on Rafael Liao. He is uh, insane. I think he's just got financial issues with Sporting Lisbon, his first club he was at. He was dealing with um, abuse from fans, and he terminated his contract and owes the club, I think, around like 16 million euros left. And Chelsea are willing to cover that, just like how United were with De Jong, with uh, his unpaid wages from Barca. So I, I would really, like that That was my reference with the Gordon move. If we're willing to spend 60 on Gordon, why not spend the 80 on Liao? I agree. Instead, and he goes right into the team. I would put him in in front of Havertz any day of the week. Well, um, it's because Gordon's English. Of course, that's they, why they they want to build this young English talented team to have a lot of people get behind, and I think that's that's good. We've seen other guys come in recently, and Chuko Mecca from Aston Villa. Yeah, um, they just brought an eighteen year old from Inter Milan. They brought in. Um, that young academy player from Arsenal and Hutchinson. Yep. Um, I think six years ago he did F two videos. Yeah. He's that like twelve year old in there. So they're they're trying to build that young core group for the next five to six years eventually to be the main guys. So I think Bowley's done that with the Dodgers over the past decade yeah. or how, however long he's been with them. So I think. I think there's we can do a lot of positive things going forward, but in this business right now, especially with our ambitions, it's we're heavily focused on the short term. So the next game, so and with a week left in the window, uh, a lot of things are going to be done. I think at least two more signings at minimum are going to be coming in. Yeah, um, there's word that that CHO is on his way out. Callum Hudson Odoi. I don't know where that's going to wind up, but there is rumors swirling. And then I have one more question for you before we move on. Why, at this point, if we're playing, or if you're playing Reese James at right center back and missing out on his ability to get up the flanks in a full capacity, why not let him play holding midfield? Yeah, I don't know. You, that's that's he's, good. he's what, plenty good enough to play that position. I think he's played that position before his yeah. younger days. Um, we've seen the comparison with Trent. Trent at times, I remember playing a holding mid role for Liverpool early on with uh, his passing range. I think, I think the, uh, one reason for not playing him in there is you lose the 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 
speed down the wing and taking guys one-on-one down the line. His physical presence puts him at an advantage when he gets into altercations with players and battling for the ball. So I would prefer him at wing back, but maybe it's a confidence thing right now with um, Tuchel doesn't believe in Chaloba to start there as well as Aspi. You're in the same position if you put Aspi there as you would James. Um, I think last week against Spurs, Loftus-Cheek out there did well and opened things up for James. But now that um, we had a team that wasn't afraid of coming after us for the majority of the game, it kind of exposed us a bit there. And we didn't have the luxury of our wingbacks being involved in the game. If I think that's one problem in Tuchel's system is if you take the wingbacks out of the game, we pretty much fall apart going forward because we don't have a strong striker presence to hold the ball up and and give us time to get up. So that is where Tuchel needs to tweak the system. So it's 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 a tough situation now. Now we have to fill the void for Koulibaly. So we may see James back there again. We could see Chaloba there. Kukurella move back to left center back, and then we get Chilwell back in the lineup. So. I think it ultimately comes down to that center mid. If we can dominate the midfield battle, I think we'd be okay. So hopefully I would like to see Loftus-Cheek in there instead of Gallagher. And if Gallagher is in the team, maybe have him as like an attacking mid, not in one of those deeper spots. So we'll have to see. I, I'm happy it's Leicester we're playing and not a different team, like a Crystal Palace. So it, I think we'll, we'll, I think we'll be... I mean, I, regardless of who we play, we're going to have our opportunities. It's just a matter of time before somebody fucking does their job and scores. And it's seeming like it's going to be another defender. Yeah, it just may have to be. All right, we'll move on to game of the week. In my opinion, Newcastle 3, Manchester City 3. Holy fuck. El Gasico, they're calling it. I thought this was an unbelievable match. Ilke Gundogan got the scoring started early. Uh, in the fifth minute, Miguel Almiron got one back in the 28th. Callum Wilson scored in the 39th. And then Kieran Trippier added another delightful goal in the 54th. That was a free kick, if I recall correctly. Erling Holland scored in the 61st. And then Bernardo Silva in the 64th. It was crickets after that. This was a crazy game. I cannot believe there were six goals between these two sides, but... City's defense was not up to the task. I don't know why they're playing two in the back because that's that literally is what this is. Uh, Walker and, and Cancelo are essentially playing midfield. Walker further up towards the flanks, then Cancelo slotting in in that like holding mid role. He's really good, but they're getting exposed. Um, St. Max is a truly violent threat. The way that he like grins when he's like lining up the ball and and, and dicing and and getting ready to blow by somebody is crazy he reminds me of a wide receiver with the way that he sort of swaggers around the pitch and and the way that he moves um he's so fast lightning quick and so good with the ball at his feet callum wilson another great week a good finish and then almiron sort of back from the dead um i have no idea how he's how he's so up to it this season but he's looked good um 
Cholenton putting in unreal shifts. If you guys remember, they brought him in as a forward, and he's since been been slotted back towards that that midfield role. He's playing like left center mid. He's been great this season so far in their defense. Not great on the day, but they managed to get a goal from Trippier. So you know, kind of have to just cancel it out. Pope's been good. <laughs> not oh, Pope not, MVP. Yeah, but but letting three goals up in this one, another one that's uh, that's tough. But he's still good. He's he's been great. Um, and then City, they're never out of a game. That's what I take from this one. They were good. City were good, but Newcastle were really, really good too. I think this is more of a positive for Newcastle. It's great to be able to know that City are going to be able to come from behind, but this is a disappointing result for them. They should be getting three points against Newcastle, regardless of how well they play. Um, this was so so entertaining. I I just. I'm so glad Newcastle are actually like solid. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think coming just like Leeds against Chelsea, they came at City. You can't be afraid of these these clubs. You can't go into the match with the mindset of it's going to be a long day. We're going to have to take our chances when we can and and grind out defensively. It's they they understood the task. They they put their hard hats on and. And they went to work, and the fans bought in immediately. Having the fans on there, um, the way giving them the wind to push forward and really challenge these guys right from the start was good. Um, especially after they went down one nil, just they they didn't put their heads down and 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 accept a, a five nil drilling like they did last year. It was more of a we can get one back. We have we have the quality in our squad and. Almiron got got the equalizer right away, and the media was talking about um, after the league title last year for City in the parade, Grealish a bit, a couple of drinks in, just making comments of like uh, coming at Almiron a bit. Um, people played on that, and they were happy to see him get a goal. Um, Wilson again getting on the score sheet, and then that free kick from Trippier was top class. It kind of thought brought me back to uh, the World Cup, uh, his goal against Croatia in the semi. So. But that you can't forget. I think Man C- when Man City go behind two goals, I think that is the easiest bet you can make in your life is to ha- put them at win or draw, what regardless of the odds, um, because they have a guy named Kevin De Bruyne on their team who sees the game on another level than what any other ordinary person sees. Um, that assist to Bernardo Silva, megging Joe Willock and having the perfect weight for him to get onto was incredible. Um, and then Holland again getting on the score sheet, um, consistent. So, yeah, I think you can't ask much more in a game. I think, like you said, City played with that back too. They started with Ake and Stones, which bit weak, if That's, you want to say. That is suspect to be playing two, essentially two at the back with those two. Oh my god, give me a break. Yeah, Ake was subbed off in the 20th minute. Picked up an injury, so Diaz came in off the bench, and that was the only sub Pep made the whole game. It was just the one, whereas Newcastle made four. Um, and even looking at their bench, they didn't really have like too much to to offer. You, they had Phillips there, um, Alvarez as well, new sign who hasn't really gotten any t- sort of time or momentum. And then your only likely guy to come off the bench would be Mares, but um, Pep believed in the guys he had out there, so. Uh, yeah, it was a weird off day for City, a bit, you would say. Yeah, for sure. It's okay to get a point, but, uh, I don't know. 
you'd want to be top of the league right now if you were them, especially with Liverpool dropping points here and there. Everybody uh, is. I know, besides Arsenal. Uh, we'll move into Manchester United 2 and Liverpool 1. Were you surprised? Um, A little bit. I had a conversation earlier on in the day when I was placing my bets, and I saw the team they put out, and I said, this team is just shit enough for them to get a result. And they did, and I didn't. I bet with Liverpool instead. Um, if you look at this team on paper and think about the ceilings of these players, of the United players, it's a good team. They put out a really good team. But if you no look, Maguire, right? No, exactly. But if you look at performances as of late, Rashford, who's been off the pace, Sancho, who's not been good since he's come in, Elanga, who's really young. Erickson, who's just been okay because he's been playing out of position. McTominay, who sucks. Malasia, young. And then Dalla, who's just been eh. And Varane, who hasn't hardly ever played. Martinez has been good. If you look at it that way, the team was shit, right? But it's really all they have. They have Ronaldo as well, but he wasn't in the game. These players all played up to their ceiling, in my opinion. Uh, Bruno, a bit of a non-factor. But everybody else looked extremely good it was a game of individual performances it was a game of sprints and united straight up outworked liverpool in this game i thought on the on liverpool side milner was an absolute liability de young they're not de young van dyke you're on fraud watch he's on fraud watch he's he was fucking shocking in this game he was awful taa can't defend which we've known, but he actually can't defend. I'm I'm, 100% just, I'm certain that he can't defend in any sort of capacity whatsoever. He was terrible. Good going forward, terrible defensively. Robertson, becoming a bit of a non-factor recently. This was a bad, bad, bad performance from Liverpool in the first half. They got 100% outworked. I don't think it comes down to tactics. I don't think it comes down to coaching. I think United wanted it way more. And Rashford looked unreal. This is the quality that Marcus Rashford has. He could have scored three times in this one. I know Sancho had the opening goal. But, man, uh, this game comes down to Marcus Rashford for me. I think he he was absolutely stunning. And Tyrell Malasia was fantastic, too. He's He's... If they can actually develop him, he's going to be an extremely good left back for them. Much better than Shaw. Martinez or Martinez was great. Um, but this was this was just a, a matter of grit, if you will. Yeah, I think the players that Ten Hog brought in in this game played well. Martinez, goal line clearance. Uh, Malassi, you already mentioned, played a lot better than Shaw would have. Um, I'm still not convinced on Bruno and Erickson being played in the lineup together. I think they're too similar, and I, I think realistically, if you want to be honest, I think only one of them can play in the team. I think that other holding mid role can be utilized better than having Erickson back there because I would not want him as one of those front guys in the front of the defense now that Casimir is in the team. You could put him in there with Fred or McTominay. Um, maybe Fred ideally have Fred go forward more and Casemiro sit back and then you kind of rotate Fernandez and Erickson or if you want put Fernandez 
out to one of the sides. Now that Casimir's in there, you have more versatility and rotation. Um, but I, I think when you look at the stats, I think United over the last, since Mourinho, play better when they don't have the majority of the possession. In this game, they only had 30%. 66% pass accuracy, which is awful. But a lot of it was on the transition, playing more vertical, getting passes in behind quickly, not not playing side to side and waiting for Liverpool to get numbers back. They really went at him and attacked. And early on, they really went after Trent, got him early in the books, and and it opened up a bit there. They focused more on that left side. Um, you were right, Van Dijk bit offish that first goal when... Um, Sancho was dancing on the ball. Milder committed, went down, and Van Dyke kind of stood there frozen, arms behind his back, just trying to block it, Where, whereas he should have been charging him because we know his presence is 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 felt by players and could have thrown Sancho off a bit on the finish. So that's a that's a that's a critique on him, but once again, like I mentioned with Chelsea losing the midfield battle, I think Liverpool did the same thing here. I Henderson gets really exposed when he doesn't have Thiago and Fabinho out there with him. When he has Milner and Elliot, he has more responsibilities on his shoulders where he can't perform like a top player. Um, he he's a role guy in the team. He can't stand out as a as a key figure in that midfield week in and week out. That's just not who he is as a player. I believe Elliot takes a lot of shots in bad positions he just wastes possession for Liverpool a lot I don't think he's ready to be in this team consistently but he has to because the injuries and then we know Milner is aging on and I don't think he's he's a guy you should be playing 90 minutes week in and week out I think he can get rotated in there every now and then because he knows the system he's a good leader I really like after the first goal um, he got right in Van Dyke's face and yep. was really going after him. You don't see people do that um, because people think Van Dyke is the best defender in the world, which clearly in the first three games isn't the case. Um, yeah, not anymore. Evan Carr put him on fraud watch. Uh, yeah, that's damn. Uh, he's on fraud watch after playing Fraudchester. So that's a um, scene. Yeah. So um, I'm happy to see see Rashford get back into the positive light. I think that is Sancho's goal for the next eight weeks. Um he'll go back into hibernation. But yeah, I'm I'm surprised a bit with the result. You when we when I when we were talking about the lineups, I saw just in the midfield just he swapped Fred for McTominay. I thought it'd be a similar result to last week against Brentford, but it wasn't the case and I think Maguire out of the lineup was massive. That was a huge, huge statement, along with Ronaldo not in the team from Ten Hag. So credit to him. They actually played with a purpose today, and the fans got behind them, and that really made a difference. Um, and we did see Martial in the game too. Yeah, we did. How about it? I don't know how much longer he's going to be there at United, but we'll have to see. Okay, that uh, concludes our recap. Damn, we went an hour on the recap. That's that's pretty solid. Uh, there was a lot of really good games this week. I'm excited for next week, and we'll jump right into it. We have Southampton taking on Manchester United on Saturday, August 27th. This game screams at the top of its lungs. Trap. What do you think? 
I'm getting baited into the United hook. Um, oh, I have Zach's picks too. That just reminded me. Zach's going to go with uh, United there. He picked them every week. Um, still hasn't got one right. None of us have gotten a United game right. Um, hopefully this is the one. Um, some stats here. United have lost their last seven away matches in the league. Um at the same time, United are undefeated in their last 14 away matches against Southampton. Um, and then as well, United have failed to score in five of their last six away matches. Uh, and then Southampton have conceded at least two goals in six of their last seven home prem matches. So um, I, I know Southampton are going to get off on the mark. I think, I think Southampton score first, United get back into it, and then... And then there could be some chippiness at the end, but I really don't want to say it, but I think I am. I'm going to go with United here. Draw. When in doubt, when you feel that it's a trap, draw. I don't have anything else to say other than this month. This, if you look at the money before this game goes off and the money is more than 70% on United, you should, you should seek shelter because it's, it's not going to go the way you think it is. I will say with the latest transfer news in the last hour, there's rumors potentially for a reunion of United and Depay. I saw that. But I think Depay has made it clear he'd only go to a Champions League club. Well, he's not going to be going to United then. As well as Dubrovka, it's saying Dubrovka potentially to come in and be the backup or compete with De Gea. That seems... I don't... Actually, maybe that's good. That might be good for De Gea. He's a bit of a mentalist. and they let Bayi go on loan to Marseille. Yeah, good move. Okay, Chelsea, Leicester City. I'm going to go with Chelsea in this one. Like I said, Leicester, something serious is is going on there. I think Chelsea are in better shape, regardless of the fact they don't have a striker. Uh, just got to hope from a, for a couple goals from the midfield here. So I'm going to take Chelsea. And I think if Gallagher plays, uh, he'll be much better this week because his his contract is quite literally on the line. I really hope so. Um, we know Leicester have defensive issues there. I think, I don't think I know we're going to have three clear opportunities to score. It, we have to score in the first 30 minutes of the game. We cannot go into the half at drawed level um, because we're just going to go back into a rut and it's not going to end well. Um, Chelsea are undefeated in five in their last five home matches. Leicester have conceded at least two goals in the last three matches. There have been over two and a half goals scored in eight of Leicester's last nine games. And then Chelsea have seen under two and a half goals in five of their last six home matches. Leicester are really poor on set pieces. Our set piece expert is not in this game in Koulibaly. Um... But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Chelsea here. Um, full bias, blind, blind loyalty. But I, it's once again, I think it's gonna be close. Okay. Um, we have Brighton versus Leeds. Man, this is gonna be a great game. Um, if Leeds play the way that they played last week and and press Brighton, it's just gonna be super tight. It's gonna be really close. I like a draw here. I can see one one. I can see two two. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's a victor. I really don't. I think these two teams are, are too, um, well drilled. That's the word. 
Yeah, it's going to come down to Brighton being able to play out on the back and then Leeds, just like last week, just on their press game. Um, Brighton have kept six clean sheets in their last six home matches against Leeds. There have been over two and a half goals scored in 11 of Leeds' last 13 away matches. And Leeds are undefeated in their last five matches, as well as Brighton being undefeated in their last eight prem matches. So, huge battle, I think, as well. I'm going to go with the draw. And then uh, I forgot Zach is taking Chelsea, and he, like both of us, is taking a draw in this match. All right. We have Man City versus Crystal Palace. Another one, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm trying to get baited into taking Palace, but I'm going to take City straight up. Yeah, I mean, unfortunate, didn't get the result last week with City, but yeah, I have to go with them again here. We know Palace can compete. Um, We saw them do it with Liverpool. They competed well with Arsenal as well, regardless of the score. Um, And yeah, I think think it'll be a battle here. They did get a nil-nil draw in the most recent tie last year, but as well as they beat that, I mean, Palace was just the, one of two teams last year that didn't drop any points to or didn't lose to City last year, them and Spurs. So um, it's going to be a battle. I think they're going to carry a lot of positivity and confidence into this game. But I think City are hungry now after dropping points. Yeah. Um, Liverpool versus Bournemouth. To be honest, this is a game where Bournemouth could probably like stay in if Liverpool aren't up to the task, but feels weird, feels feels sussy. I'm going to take Liverpool here. I think they route Bournemouth. I think this is the biggest game on the on the sheet maybe behind the United game or on par in my eyes. I think it's the most important game to look out for. Um, I have to go with Liverpool. Zach's also going with Liverpool, and then City in the last one as well. But um, if they if they can't get any, if they can't get the win here, it's I would start. Um, I would get the panic button on my desk. Yeah. Um, Brentford versus Everton. Brentford straight up. Is that a lock? They're probably plus money. Uh, if I pull that up real quick, I would I would think they are the favorites here, playing at home against a struggling Everton side. Um, yeah, they are. They're plus one hundred though. Really, mm-hmm. they're almost they're almost minus money. That's crazy. Yep. It, it just comes. Yeah, what is it? Unfan. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think this is a matchup that Everton can can find some cheese. Last year, Brentford beat them both times, 1-0 and 3-2 in the results. Um, some stats about this fixture here, or, or looking at it, Everton have lost nine of their last 11 way matches, all four on the road. Brentford have kept clean sheets in five of their last six home matches, as well as Everton have conceded at least two goals in nine of their last 11 away matches. So everything points towards Brentford winning this by at least two goals or so. I'm heavily inclined to agree with that. Zach's going with Brentford. He's a big B this week. I think it's going to be a battle with that that three in the back versus, versus Tooney. Um, two strong guys. I'm I'm interested to see in the battle between Tarkovsky and, and Tooney. 
it's going to be a heated contest there, but um, I am willing to go out on a limb here and pick Everton in an upset. I think this is going to be my reach. I think this is going to be my reach for the week. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go with Brentford. And then we have Arsenal versus Fulham. This is a tough one. I, I could totally see a draw coming here. Like I, I, this, I clearly see this with my eyes, Everton. All right, Arsenal, sorry. Really? Yeah, I, I, think, I think Fulham, the first three games have been... Overperformance? Very, yeah, to a degree. I think they've really, like the Liverpool result... Um, nobody saw it coming. The battle with Brentford, they got an early lead, control, handle on the game. They let Brentford back in the game, which is going to be scary. And then um, who was the other game they had? The Wolves game. It was just they were playing with their food too much and didn't really have a control on the game as well. So I think it'll go similar to the Wolves match Fulham had, where Wolves is controlling the game a lot. But Gabby Goals is in this game. Team Tim Ream. I think he's gonna ISO Tim Ream. All <laughs> yeah, ISO. Um, it's it's gonna be ugly. I think it's another at least three. Uh, it's I'm hard. Take, take it's Arsenal. so hard to the way Arsenal are playing right now. The freedom they look they have on the ball. I'm gonna be with the lineup. I'd be interested if Tierney's fully fit. Does Mikel shake things up in the middle? Take Xhaka out and put Zinchenko next to Partey. Was would a, you want Zinchenko that? has been absolutely mega. He's been so good. Yeah, I would. I'd love to see that. You'd prefer that over current the current team? Yeah, because you know what? Zinchenko sort of does that same thing that Cancelo does, right? And he sort of slots himself in there regardless. And he's always up the pitch. I, I think if you play him at defensive mid and throw Tierney back, um, despite the way that Jacques has been playing, because he's been great too, yeah, he's I think, got a goal and an assist. I think that would be fine. I'd I'd much rather see Partey take the bench, Xhaka slotted over to right, as Zinchenko play left left holding mid, left center back, wow. left center mid. Even last week against Bournemouth, Zinchenko at left back didn't really play at wide. He was more central, oh. and there were there were certain points in the game where him and Xhaka rotated. Yep, I know they just played like the pivot. I I don't know. I think he's he's like definitely good enough to play like starting. You know, defensive midfielder. He he's really good. That was a great signing. It's gonna be. They both play the same formation. They both play a four-two-three-one. So it's right. gonna come down to matchups. And I think that midfield in Arsenal is gonna. I think Fulham's midfield is gonna have more grit and try to shake things up and be more physical. And I think Arsenal just moving the ball is gonna be too quick. And I think they're gonna wear Fulham out. So. Um, I think it comes down to the first goal that whoever gets that is going to set the tone and make the other have to change their tactic. All right, then I'm going to go with Arsenal because I don't and, feel bad. Yeah, and Zach as well is going to go with Arsenal. All right, fair enough. Uh, and then we have Wolves versus Newcastle. Newcastle plus money here. This is my lock of the week. Wow. I love them. Love Newcastle here. Absolutely adore them. Yeah, uh, Newcastle are the slight favorites on the road there, even plus 165 to Wolves is plus, uh, 175. Um, I think that's fair, um, especially off of last week getting three against City. Wolves' defense looks solid, but um, I think just the, the attack, they don't have that key guy. We saw Jimenez get his first minutes back in last week. Um, 
and he did okay, but you definitely saw the the rust on him. I think Newcastle are going to have more more of a grip on this game compared to City. So um, I think uh, I think I'm going to go with Newcastle. Uh, I'm a little apprehensive in saying that because I don't think I think they're definitely a top eight team, but I definitely see them hitting a bump in the road relatively soon and i i have confidence in wolves to be that team they just like southampton they're competitive in every single game but they let themselves down so i can de- i can see wolves do something here but i think just saint max last week was incredible if he can play that consistently that they're going to be unstoppable so i'm going to go with the the magpies there all right <laughs> fair enough and then zach's going with a draw all right then we have Aston Villa versus West Ham. This is one I'm the least confident in. I might do the I might bring back the coin flip. Uh, I think you should. I'm gonna go with West Ham. I think they get a result here. Villa, they have not showed me anything. West Ham, I think they can rest on their laurels from last season a bit. I have a little bit of faith in them. Um I think they're due. I just think West Ham are, are truly um truly do, and Villa are really terrible. Aston Villa favorites here, 125 to West Ham's 220, both positive money Seems there. Seems crazy. Um, West Ham, definitely. 100% West Ham are scoring in this game. It's undeniable. They haven't scored yet, but Villa are a prime team to get it against, especially with the, the back line having a lot of issues last year. West Ham won this matchup 4-1 and 2-1. Um, and yeah, uh, what do you did you say what you're going with? Sorry, yeah, West, West Ham. You're going West Ham? All right, I'm going to do the flip. Uh, Zach's going with Villa. He thinks Gerard can get it done. So uh, heads for the home team, tails for the away. If uh, we're going best out of three here, if it's opposite on the first two, it's a draw. So here we go. First one is heads, so Villa. Second one is tails. So going with the draw. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's see. We have our last of the week. Nottingham Forest versus Tottenham. I'll go Tottenham. Spurs. Just Spurs, man. I think, I think it's going to be a battle of those wingbacks, just like we saw, um, last week Wolves kind of adopted their formation. They went back to the three back. They had Pedro Neto at right wing back, surprisingly, with Aitnoy at left back, and Emerson Royale absolutely bodied Nori out there. Yeah. Um, and then Perisic as well really controlled the other side. So I can see this going the same way. I think if Perisic starts, that's going to be a big battle with him and Nico Williams. I think Nico Williams has more of a more of a control on that side compared to Neto in that position. So it's going to be close. Once again, Dean Henderson is going to be standing on his head. And I think it's a lock that Sun gets his first goal of the season here. All right, fair enough. And then Zach as well is going with Spurs. Okay. Well, that wraps us up, ladies and gentlemen. About an hour 20 for you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's games. Or, yeah, this week of games, rather. I am excited for match day five. I cannot wait. Or match day four, rather. I've just misspoke twice in the last two sentences, so it's definitely time to end the episode. Uh, make sure to check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and you can find all of the past episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until next week, uh, you know, take care.
stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you then.